Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Masters of Photography, online masterclasses with the greatest photographers in the world. We'll have a special offer for you on Masters of Photography courses later in the show. Okay, spring is approaching, and for a lot of us, this is the time when we get our cameras out from the mothballs, and the weather gets nicer, and we go out and we start taking more pictures, at least if we're in the Northern Hemisphere. Jeff, is this how you work as well? I know for me, I kind of go into photographic hibernation during winter. Uh, a little bit. I go into a little hibernation, uh, but I find myself you know, grabbing a camera when I don't expect to. So I wouldn't say I'm completely hibernated, but uh, it, I am more inclined to do more editing and reviewing than to you know actively plan, all right, I'm going to go out and do a shoot. Well, good timing then, because we have a guest this week, Nick Bott. Um, of Gentleman Coders that develops the wonderful application Raw Power. Nick, thanks for joining us again. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. And Nick is going to help us figure out new ways of editing our photos. And Nick is going to talk about something really obscure. And if you're like me, (laughs) you see these things in your photo editing apps and you're like, what do they do when you click on them and everything gets all funky and then you go back to some other sliders. We're going to talk today about levels and curves, essentially. We're also going to talk about the histogram a little bit and white balance. Nick, let's start by talking about the histogram, because when we look at the levels and curves displays in photo editing apps, they all show histograms. And I think everyone knows what a histogram is, right? Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) So it's those little messages that Western Union sends then. Uh, No, stop, (laughs) just stop. (laughs) Oh, it's it's that sharing thing where you take pictures and put filters on them and you put them up to the internet, right? I think we're going to have to cancel our podcast now because of this. Kirk, shame on you. <laughs> Everyone should know what a histogram is. Uh, it, it It's immensely important, but it can also be very confusing. And I think because uh, levels and curves are tied into it, that's partly why we wanted to bring Nick back on the show because, um, A, we like talking to smart people, and B, this is just one of those things where, you know, even I, who do quite a lot of photo editing, uh, you know, I sort of grew up on working with levels. And so for me, although I can use curves, it's not intuitive at all. And so that's part of the reason why we wanted to have this episode, because it's one of those things where people can get stuck or, or they they look at it and they'll be like, you know, I, I can't figure this out, so I'm not going to do anything with it. Or I'm just going to click auto and move on from there. But auto's good. Auto can be very good, but it also helps to know what you can do after you've clicked auto. Maybe it's a little bit too bright. Maybe you're looking for a specific look and then what? Okay. So let's start with the histogram. Um, just before we get started, if you look in the show notes, we'll have a link to a, a raw file that we're going to be discussing in this episode. And while you can't actually see what we're doing as we're doing this, um, you can download the file and follow along clicking the buttons that we described. So Nick, what is the histogram? Okay, so the histogram is a description of the, the distribution of the colors in the image. Okay, so when you're looking at a histogram of an image, you'll see on the left side of the histogram are the darker colors or shades, and to the right are the brighter colors and shades. So at the far left is black or the darkest of, say, red, green, or blue. On the right is white or the brightest red, green, or blue. Okay, and using this photo as an example, if you open it in your photo editing app, you'll see that the there's a, a little peak all the way at the left end where there's a, a lot of darkness. There's hardly anything at the right end, 
but in the middle, it's pointing up kind of like the Matterhorn. And for people who aren't following along, just to give you a quick description of the picture, um, this is this is a, an image of a uh, sculpture from as Rome, Las Vegas. Yeah, it's it's Italy. It's Italy. Okay, it's very gray. It's statuesque, you might even say, because there are lots of statues. So yeah, so looking at this histogram, uh, as as Kirk said, there's a there's a, a spike at the left edge. So there is that's the lowest value. That's that's black. That's zero. And so there is, there is some black in this image, um, a little bit. And then the Matterhorn in the middle is basically telling you that there's a lot of mid-tones in this image. But because there's not much on the left and there's not much on the right, then what you can tell just by looking at the histogram, even if you didn't even see the picture, you can tell by looking at the histogram that this image has a lot of mid-tones but not much contrast. And so people's eyes are, dr are drawn toward contrast. The human eye likes to see dark and light, and then kind of distribute the, the, the colors of the shades in between. And so when you see an image like this, it seems a little flat, uh, and your eye is kind of seeking out those bright and dark areas and not finding them. So just look at that histogram. You can tell that this image, it's a little underexposed because there's not much or there's basically nothing in the brights. And uh, that big peak in the middle with nothing on the left and right indicates lack of contrast. Okay, if you're using Apple Photos and you're looking at this picture and you don't see the histogram, you want to go into edit mode and then click the adjust tab and then click view show histogram because it doesn't display by default. If you're in another app like um, Raw Power or if you're using Lightroom, I believe it's also an option whether or not you display the histogram. So check the preferences or the view menu or whatever. Now, you're talking about the histogram and you're saying there's a little bit of black, there's not much white, but I also have a histogram on my camera. What is that telling me? Is it the same kind of histogram? It's very similar. Um, that's Each histogram is being calculated by, in your case, the camera of what it sees at that time. The histogram you're seeing here at the top of photos or whatever application you're using is the result of opening that image, in this case a RAW, you know, processing the RAW, and the resulting image, that top thing is the histogram. That is the, we call the output histogram. It's the actual distribution of pixels that is the result of all editing. So if you were to say adjust exposure or something, that histogram would change uh, because it's the result. Right. And it's changing in real time. So whenever I move a slider and exposure is a good example, or in photos, the whole light slider, you will notice the histogram uh, moving from one direction to another. If you grab the light slider and you move it to the right, you're going to see that there's more on the right side of the histogram. And if you drag it the other way, there's more on the other side. Exactly right. Okay. So the histogram is something that we also see in the levels and curves uh, adjustment areas in Apple Photos and most photo editing apps. So before the show, we were discussing how we're going to um, organize this. And you said we want to start with levels. Um, levels is below curves. So scroll down in that sidebar if you're in Apple Photos or figure out where it is in your other <laughs> app because I don't have anything else here that's open. Um, you'll probably find it. So Levels is showing another histogram and it's not quite as Matterhorny, um, but you see the same sort of distribution, but kind of a little bit more compressed. Why is it showing up differently uh, there than in the top histogram? So there's two things happening here. So the Levels histogram is shorter because that's the amount of space that they, that Apple gave to the histogram vertically. But it doesn't mean anything other than the top is the highest value and the, the bottom is the lowest value. So the the vertical height 
of the view for the histogram is 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 not important at all. If I look at the histogram itself, it's not curved the same way as the main histogram at the top. Right. There are sm small differences, and part of the reason there's a difference is because the histogram you're seeing in levels or curves, for that matter, is the is the um, distribution, the representation of the image as the levels adjustment sees it. And so there's always some things that run after levels or curves, whether you have access to them or not, and that slightly changes the result of the image. Okay. And so that's why the histogram doesn't look exactly the same between levels and curves and the uh, final histogram. So they're slightly okay. different. But when you haven't adjusted the image very much, they'll look pretty similar. Okay. So what's the point of levels? Levels is good for doing a couple of very specific things. You can use levels for many things, but what it's what it's good at in particular is correcting things like contrast uh, and also working on midtones. Those are two really good uses of levels because it lets you basically directly manipulate that histogram with some pretty simple controls. So most of the, the sliders you're going to see in photos you know, whether it's light or in any photo application, you're moving sliders and the histogram, as Kirk said, will move. But sometimes you just want to get to a specific spot. Let's say you really want to just make the image just brighter and you want to get to a specific result. With levels and curves, you can actually essentially manipulate the histogram uh, manually, which has a certain nice, you know, tactile feel to it as you're doing that. You can actually move something and get exactly the right result. Okay, now we have levels. It's a plural noun. What are these levels of? These are the level. These are the basically the histogram levels. That's that's all that is. So every pixel has a, a value of brightness, and then it's plotted on a line. What's happening here when it draws histograms? It says that the the uh, photos in this case will count up all the values for every. Um, it takes the entire image and says, okay, values can be anywhere from zero to two hundred fifty-five. Zero is black. 255 is white. And it says, okay, I'm going to look at count every single pixel in this image. And I'm going to say, okay, is it, what value is it? I'm going to add them up. So however many blacks I have, how many, you know, gray would be 127, 128, depending on how to count it. Uh, and it counts all those up. The more of them there are of that particular number, the higher the peak. So that's why you don't see anything on the right of this image. There's nothing that's actually bright white. There's a spike of blacks. There's a fair amount of hard black, but there's nothing that's white. So if you were to go and sample every single pixel in this image, there's basically nothing that's actually 255 or white. Okay, so I think the first way to look at what the levels and later the curves um, adjustments do is to click the auto button. And in Apple Photos, it says auto. I think the other photo editing apps might say something different. What does raw power say for that? Is it an auto button? Uh, there's two buttons. There's one which is called auto black and one that's called auto RGB, and they do different things. And as we were right. talking about in photos, it, one button does two things. So click the auto button if you're looking at this photo, and you'll see something that happens. You know those little things you get on the desk with the balls, the five metal balls, and you pull one on the left and you let it go and it knocks the one to the right? Well, there's five little balls under the levels thing there. And when you click the auto, you're going to see that the balls to the right are going to move as if... They've just been hit, and they've started moving a little bit. Now, interestingly, we discovered that there's a bug in Apple Photos that if you click Auto and then undo it and click it again, you might see a different result. Um, in some cases, it comes out overexposed. In other, it comes out what I would say is correct. 
Um, but and we'll we'll put some screenshots of what these adjustment tools look like. So the way I'm looking at it now is the the ball to the right has moved over almost to the edge of the histogram. The second ball has moved on I don't know a 15 or 20 degree angle, and the third and the fourth balls on less of an angle. And if I look at the histogram up at the top, I can see that the whole histogram has kind of stretched out and spread over. So it's filling the space of the histogram from black to white. That's right. And so one thing that we were trying to pointing out was also depending on if we're looking at levels, it there's a pop-up right above the histogram and it may say luminance or RGB or red, green, and blue. And what I, when I mentioned that is that the auto button in photos does something different depending on whether you got it at red, green, blue, or if it has RGB luminance. And so what uh, Kirk was describing will be a little different for you depending on what you have. I think what you want, people want to be doing is looking at luminance or RGB and then clicking the auto button. And so as you see that, you will get that result. And so what um, Photos is doing there is it is basically trying to correct for contrast, which will also brighten the image. And that's why the histogram stretches out. It's basically being stretched, not in a way that you know is bad, it's a good thing, it's giving the photo contrast, it's brightening the image, and the overall effect is something that's more pleasing. Okay, you're talking about how this artificially intelligent application is giving the photo contrast and all that. Isn't this really just mathematics, that it's looking at the histogram, seeing where everything is, and spreading it out to sort of fill the space? Oh yeah, this is not a very difficult thing to do. There's no AI here. This is just saying, looking at the histogram essentially and saying, okay, where is the distribution of things? Uh, is there much black? Is there much white? And then finding a new black and white point and setting it. That's all that's really happening. So it's not one of these magical Apple technologies here. Okay. No, it's I'm sorry. Plain old math. Okay. Just plain old math. Um, plain old math. So, well, plain old math is, you know, math can be complicated, but this one looks simple. When you're looking at the histogram, you see it move, it fills the space. And I've just learned more in the past 15 minutes about this than in years. And now I understand it and it makes sense. Before the show, you mentioned something else that we should talk about that we haven't yet covered. And that's white balance. How does white balance come into this whole game of levels and curves? So you can use white balance levels or curves sometimes to do the same thing, which is correct for tint or color cast in an image. And they will give you different results. And sometimes some are better than the others. And sometimes you have to try these different things. Um, with white balance, of course, there's sliders. You can set a particular color temperature, but most people, what they do is they don't know the color temperature. They want to just make it be you know, neutral and, and look correct. And so the key there is when you, when you use a white balance tool, there's usually some kind of eyedropper. You click on the eyedropper and then you go into some part of your image and you click there to tell uh, white balance what to do. Now, the important thing is, what are you telling it? And so what you want to tell white balance is you want to pick a portion of the image, a decent sized area of the image. Don't try to hit a specific pixel. Try to hit a patch of the image where it is a, where it ought to be a neutral gray. Not, you don't want to find a white pixel or a white area. You don't want to find a, you know, a, a bright white pixel or a dark black pixel. You want to find something in the middle or maybe a little dark or a little bit bright not too bright, not too dark, and it should be gray. And then what white balance will do is it will neutralize the whole image to make the whole image so that that area is gray. Well, why isn't it called gray balance? 
Sometimes it's called gray balance. Sometimes it's called color balance. But for some reason, we're all stuck on white balance. And so, yeah, and that's the thing. It's very likely or it's easy to think I should pick something white. And that's exactly the wrong thing to pick. This is one of those controls where I find myself just sort of blindly stabbing quite often because I will find an area that looks like it's probably a neutral gray. Maybe it's not. And I'll click on it and maybe everything will go green or you know, um, the, the entire tint will shift way beyond what I want. And so it's okay to kind of click around and try to find something because your eyes are going to tell you whether you're on the right track. And so what I typically do is I'll, I'll find something that seems pretty neutral, click on that, and then use the temperature slider to, to adjust it. Exactly. And, and a lot of applications have auto white balance, which is uh, a little bit more sophisticated in algorithm. For example, it might be looking at skin tones or it might be looking at um, the image more, again, more mathematically to try to find an area that ought to be neutral gray. So it's trying to do the job that you're trying to do. And, and sometimes it works very well and sometimes it misses. But if you need to do it yourself for whatever reason, the most important thing is to try to find that gray patch and sometimes you can just drag the sampler around until you find something that you like and then let go. Okay. Another option, of course, is to use a white balance card. You buy these little plastic cards. You get, what is it, white, gray, and black. When you're in the location where you're going to be taking photos, shoot the gray card. And when you come back into your app, you can find that that is the natural gray. You select that. And then you look at the adjustment that your photo editing app has made and apply that same adjustment to your other photos. Exactly. Then you can use a batch change operation to then just fix the white balance on all the images at once. Okay. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about curves and curves look even more confusing than levels. Masters of Photography is a unique online learning platform that brings together some of the world's most acclaimed photographers, the Masters. You can enjoy an unprecedented insight into the way these photographers work during intimate lessons that capture their knowledge, ethos, and philosophy. I've taken the Masters of Photography course with Joel Myrowitz, one of my favorite photographers, and I was impressed by his passion for photography and his desire to transmit his knowledge to others. With more than five hours of video and 34 lessons, Joel Myrowitz discusses technique, inspiration, and his career, and gives some practical tips about shooting in the street, taking portraits, and even still life photography. I strongly recommend this course with Joel Myrowitz, and Masters of Photography has a special offer for PhotoActive listeners. Get 5% off any course with the code PHOTOACTIVE. Go to mastersof.photography and enter the coupon code PHOTOACTIVE or use the link in our show notes. That's mastersof.photography. I really enjoyed this course, and I think you will too. Okay, during the break, Jeff came up with an interesting question. Jeff? When we're looking at levels, there are controls for... Uh, working with just the brightest areas, just the dark areas, and then you have that, that mid-tone slider. What's the difference between using that and, say, the shadows control for, say, just brightening up the mid-tones? Because on the surface, it looks like they're doing the same thing. Is that true? Yes, it does seem like they're doing the same thing, and they're kind of doing the same thing. But levels, so when you move the midpoint in levels or curves, something like that, it's a, it's a very simple thing underneath the covers that it's doing. Uh, in terms of brightening or darkening uh, a range of, of pixel colors. But when you are doing the same thing with shadows and highlights, shadows and highlights in most photo applications is a little bit more clever in how it manipulates the shadows and the highlights to be uh, attractive without causing loss of contrast or flattening of things. And so 
it's not really quite the same thing. You probably want to use levels or curves to do an overall balancing of the image. And then if you want to say, oh, okay, I really want to boost the shadows a little bit, or I want to tweak the highlights, then you'd go and use one of these smarter controls. So we would want to use levels or curves first before we go into any other editing, or do we use levels or curves after we've done all the other editing? I don't think there's a simple answer to that question. And I, I, I think that it's best, what I find is for images where I want to start doing some work on them, taking advantage of some of these automatic things like auto levels or auto curves or auto whatever, can give me a good starting point. It gives you an idea of what can be corrected. And also, if it gets you to a good spot where you've got a nice looking image, now you can say, okay, I'm not being distracted by the fact that this image is really dark or that it's a little green. Let me get rid of that stuff. Now let me start making the fine tuning. So let the auto do the, the easy stuff for me, whether it uses levels or curves or whatever, and then let me start doing the smart stuff that I want to do based on my aesthetic. Okay, so curves? That sounds even more confusing than levels. What are the and curves you that we're looking are at? Right. Okay, good. <laughs> you, you did not misunderstand. Curves okay. is more complicated levels. It doesn't have to be. There is an auto button for curves. And you can mash that auto button. And again, in, in photos, uh, that auto button will do different things depending on what the pop-up says. Uh, the one in raw power is actually, there's two buttons again. Uh, oh, raw power does not have a levels control. It's been requested by people and it will be in the next major release because I appreciate that it's uh, easier to use than, than curves. And so I, I will put that in. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is to take advantage of one piece of information, which is that levels underneath the covers is a curve. It is the same thing as a curve. It's just a simplified curve. Okay, that's confusing. Well, because, right, if you look at the controls and curves and levels in, let's say, photos, you'll see some things are very much the same. There's a histogram in both of them. There are these two knobs at the left and right edge. They're the same knobs. They are actually the same knobs. Right. So there, there is a lot of similarity there. Where I think people get caught up with curves a little bit is that curves can really mess up your image really quickly. You may be used to moving like a shadow slider or something like a little contrast or something, and you make relatively, you can even make a, a big change. It doesn't necessarily mangle your image, but you can actually invert an image in curves. You can make the, you know, you can completely convert it into an X-ray if you want to with curves. I mean, you can do massive changes to it. And so it's best, I think, to think about curves more as a scalpel, as a tool where you want to make small changes will have a big effect. And so you can do some of the same things. You can correct for contrast. You can correct for color casts. But the nice thing about the contrast in curves is you can make your own contrast curve. You can make the contrast just the way you like. And it's much easier to do that in curves than any other tool. So let's go back just one step and, and explain what we're looking at with a curve, because we, we have a histogram, um, as we said before. And a curve, is, it, it starts off, it's not a curve. It's just a, a diagonal line going from the from pure black to pure white. And so to add controls to it, you would click somewhere on the line and then move those up and down or left and right. Right. So what's happening then? Right. So let, let me make one important point here. So the diagonal line is probably the most confusing thing about curves, because why is it diagonal? And it's diagonal because it's the line that says there's no change. And so what that line is saying is, and yeah, I, I feel bad about curves a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so at the bottom left corner, that's, think of that as an X of zero and a Y of zero. Okay, so think of it as, as, as a graph. 
And in fact, there's lines through it, like, because it's a graph. And so at the bottom left corner, it's zero, zero, meaning that if you have a pixel that's zero, which is black, then the Y coordinate is what it should become. Also zero, meaning no change. On the far right, it's the Y coordinate of the maximum value, one or 255, however you wanna look at it. And that's the X is one, and the Y is also one, which means no change. So a diagonal line is the line of no change. It's diagonal because it's it's a slope of one. It's a line where X equals Y. And it's interesting because I figured this out before you started explaining it because this brought me back to algebra in high school. I got a 98 on an algebra test, I remember. And I f was looking at this and I was saying, this is just, that line is just X equals Y. So there's nothing that is altering that basic element of X equals Y. And if you click on the line and you drag it a little bit, you're making X equals Y plus two or X equals Y minus three or something like that. It's all math. It's all math and it's, it's, it can be fairly simple math. If you move the points at the extreme at the left and the right edge up and down, then you're basically changing the slope of the line, right? If you start adding points to the curve and start moving them, you create an actual curve itself which starts to have more of a, a general effect, a, a smooth effect on, on, the, on the pixels. One way to look at it, it may be confusing or it may be helpful, is to think if that, cur if that line said being diagonal were horizontal, if you move things up or down, you make things brighter or darker. In the case of curves, you move them to the upper left or the lower right, you make them either brighter or darker. And so you can just do that. You can drag, add a, click on a point, drag it up, and, up to left or bottom to the right, bottom right, and that's what you'll do. If you click the auto button on levels, or if you click the auto button on curves, you'll see that there's a similarity between the two. Each one creates five nodes. On levels, they're below the histogram, and on curves, they're on that line going from the bottom left corner to the top right. So are those different nodes, those spots, are they, do they correspond between the levels and the curve? Histograms? You're talking about the, the three dots that appear in curves when you hit the auto Well, button. there's five because there's one at each end. Sure, sure, sure. I meant the three that it added, but yeah. yes. When you click auto in curves, it plots five dots. When you click auto in levels, it shows five little dots below the histogram. Yes, I appear. It's it's, it's looking like setting uh, quarter tones and a midtone. So yes, it's doing that. And then it's adding a little bit of contrast to it, which you can see because it's, 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 it's very, very slight S. Uh, which is generally how you create contrast in an image. So it is doing the same kind of thing. And and that is to my point that levels and curves are actually very similar tools. Curves is just a supercharged version of it. And it's admittedly harder to use, but it's basically doing the same kind of thing. So we hit the auto button in curves. It's basically creating this, those same three points in the middle plus the ones at the end, correcting for contrast, color cast sometimes, and then adding some contrast. Okay, so if you hit auto in curves and then you click your cursor on the middle node and you move it up and down, you can see that this is affecting the midtones. And this is the same for each of the other little buttons there. So this is the more sophisticated curves adjustment, right? Um, moving the dots up and down the line or moving them horizontally or vertically. It, it looks like as you do this, I mean, try this yourself at home. With this image and you'll see how it affects the contrast the dark parts the light parts the midtones etc is that what curves is is it sort of an art using curves of finding the right place to drag the button and the right amount to move it up or down part of it is but part of it's also um taking advantage of a couple of different properties of curves and so one is that 
and uh, it doesn't look like the one. Oh yeah, Photos does have one also. Okay, there are three samplers and a thing that looks like a cross, the circle in it, and so those can be used to uh, set the black point, set the white point, or set another, the target one, a random, a specific point in the image based on you know you clicking on it, and what that's doing for you is giving you a, a point on the curve. Now, when you put a point on a curve, the curve will be locked between that point and the points on either side of it. So when you hit that auto button, what's nice in the auto button in, in photos is that it puts those three points in the middle. So as you move any of those other points around, the important thing to notice is the whole curve doesn't move. Only the curve in between that that's that's on each side of the point you're moving. Does that make sense? Yes. And here, the white point is not the white balance. The white point is the brightest part of the image. Is that correct? That's what you're telling it by putting that point there. Yes. Right. So you're telling it what the maximum. In fact, if you do this in the image, you, you'll see if you do if you select a white point um, someplace. Let's say the the white bit at the. I guess this is a fountain, right, where the water is coming out of the fountain. Um, the, the frothy white bit of the fountain. If you click the the eyedropper to the right, uh, you'll see on the display it says uh, choose a color in the photo to set the white point. And watch the histogram at the very top when you do this, and you'll notice that this moves the histogram over all the way to the right using that point that you have picked as the end of the histogram. Am I talking sense here? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> and just to think to think that an hour ago I didn't understand what any of these things do. And the nice thing about curves is it does give you those kind of controls. You can set the white point yourself. You can set the black point yourself, which to some extent is what the auto button is doing, but it's finding the black point, it's finding the white point, it's finding the midpoint. But you can do it yourself with those samplers. And when you use the target button, you can say, I want to add additional points to the curve because I just want to fine tune this area. I just want to work on the, the, the dark parts or the light parts or the midpoint parts. And by putting these points on the curve, you can control the, Im control the curve so it only works on certain portions of the image, certain color ranges of the image. Is it color ranges? Is it light ranges? If, if it's in RGB in the pop-up menu, then that would be the whole light, correct? And if you selected one of the colors from that pop-up, then it would only affect that particular color? Exactly. RGB and luminance do the same thing from the standpoint of what the curve does. It's working on the gray. If you have the red, green, or blue pop-ups picked, then the curve you're working on is just red, just green, or just blue. Okay. Now, I noticed that I can add dozens or hundreds of points on this curve. And I think that's part of what confuses me about curves sometimes, because it's like, how many points should I put on there? And how do I know when it, it's too much? Is it just the more points gives you more targeted adjustments rather than sort of affecting the entire image? That's true. So as I, as I mentioned, and, and you said better than I did, as you add points, you are able to have finer control over a portion of the image. So you could drop a couple of points down near the darks and move that around a little bit, and you'll see it just moves the uh, the dark part of the image around. Unlike the shadow slider, which is taking a sort of a, a big part of the histogram and moving it around, correct? Right. In fact, ignoring the fact that shadows can be a little bit smart about what's a shadow, imagine if what you had was you had a shadow slider where you had another control which affected what's a shadow, 
So shadow right now, when you move it, it says make whatever the computer thinks is a shadow and make that brighter. But with curves, you can say, I'm going to tell you what I think is a shadow and I want you to just brighten that part. Mm -hmm. That's why it gives you such fine control, but that's also why it can be confusing is because there's just a lot there. And okay. I recommend for people using curves is start slowly, make small changes. If you try to do too much, the, then it'll look like it's it, you, you end up fighting at it or it's fighting with you. So again, that auto button can be kind of helpful because it gives you a starting point and then you can kind of pick a point and just make small changes and see if you like where it's going. And, and remember, moving toward the you know upper left tends to make things brighter, moving things to the bottom right tends to make things darker. And that may help in just kind of understanding that diagonal line because it is a little bit uh, counterintuitive. Uh, and the same thing is true for red, green, or blue. If you go to the red, green, or blue curve and you do the same thing, moving you know, in, in specific directions will add or subtract green or make it greener or less green or whatever. I've, I've stunned you into silence. Yeah, you've, you've sizzled our brains there. So this is a lot to take in. Um, fortunately, we have a recording of this, so we can go back and listen to it again. And we have this image that we can play with. And of course, you play with any of your images and see how they look. I mean, I've got lots of photos here of Titus the cat that I can adjust and see how they look. I, I think what you said, and, and I'm a big fan of the auto button in all of these things, because as you said, it, it gives you an idea of what this control can do. And ignoring the fact that it's trying to match a certain ideal in the algorithm, the way it's applying the controls, um, it does give you, it shows you where you can go with it. Because I like photos of cats, I will include a photo of Titus the cat in the show notes. Um, and I'm looking at that in curves and there's a very, very big difference. The photo that we've been talking about with Nick um, all of the lines are, are pretty much in the same place because there's not a lot of color in the photo. Um, but the one with Titus, um, since he's a, well, he's a golden tip British short hair. So there's a, a lot of orange and red. So I'm looking at the red histogram and curves and it's pointing up at a certain spot and the green is in another spot and the blue is in another spot. And you can see a lot more of the different colors if you've got something that has more color in it. I think the photo that we've been talking about with Nick is actually a better one to start with because you're not distracted by so many colors. And that gives you a better understanding of how this affects the photo globally. I think that's great. And I think, as, as you said, having uh, a couple of pictures to uh, try different things on will give you a better sense of why it is that these tools are doing what they're doing and, and why it's helpful to understand first what the histogram is telling you and also what tools make the most sense to use in order to get the image where you need it to be. Okay, Nick Bott, thank you very much for this lesson. We're all going to go home now and check out some of our photos and see what we can do. And please drop some photos into the Facebook group. If you've got photos and you've never played with levels and curves, and all of a sudden after this episode, it's made your photos look three times better, please show us some before and after if possible. We'd love to see that. Nick, thanks for joining us again, and I hope we can have you in the future to teach us more about some more obscure things in these photo apps. That sounds great. Okay, time for our snapshots. Jeff, I think you've got something really interesting this week. I've got something fairly interesting. Uh, it's an app. It's called Whitewall AR. And um, it's 
AR, so augmented reality. So obviously it's very cool just because of that, um, or maybe not. Uh, what it does is it lets you take an image from your photos library and the AR part of it figures out where your floor and your walls are. And then you can project that image as if it's in a frame on a wall. So you get a preview of what, let's say you want to make a print of something you can get an idea of what that looks like in the space itself. Kirk, what do you have this week? I've got a little tool that's really useful, and I mentioned it earlier. Um, it is three little plastic cards. One is white, one is black, and one is 18% gray. Um, this is useful because, first of all, you use the gray to set the white balance, as Nick explained earlier. And second, when you're in the curves adjustment, there are those three eyedroppers for the black point, white point, and gray point. And you can use these cards to set those points. Now, what you do is you put these cards exactly where you're shooting your photos and you take a, a photo of these and you import that into your photo editing app and you make the change on these cards and then you apply the same change to these other photos. You don't really have batch processing in Apple Photos, but I'll put a link to an article from my website that tells you how you can actually batch process. What you do is you apply some changes to one photo, then you can copy those adjustments and then paste them into others. When we were just talking before we started recording the snapshots, Jeff said to me, oh, this is really good. Do you take this with you every time you shoot? And I said, no, I generally leave them on my desk, but I really should take them with me. <laughs> when I do use them, however, is sometimes when I'm writing articles about hardware, I need to take pictures of the hardware that I'm shooting. And when I do this, and I'm in a fixed location, camera on the tripod, and you just put these on the surface you're using, take a picture, and it can help you adjust the white balance. I've, I've never done it with the curves before, but using the gray to adjust the white balance is very practical. So we'll link to one of these on Amazon. They're a couple bucks, a couple of pounds. They're, you know, they're really light and simple. There's a little lanyard so you can hang them on your wrist, which I assume professional photographers do all the time. They must have these around their wrist. And if you get one of these, you can put them on your desk and be like me. I think the professionals put them around the assistant's wrists. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> that's they how have it works. minions. Okay, well, that's enough. Um, go home and check out the photos that are in the show notes and play around with the levels and curves. And until next time. Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Until next week, thanks again for listening.